0: Hello, hello, everyone. Good afternoon, good morning, uh, wherever you uh, are in the world. Basically, uh, we're from all different sides today. We have Vinny, but let me do a small introduction on Vinny. Uh, today's guest, Vinny, knows the drill. A massive amount of 20 years of experience growing multiple successful businesses, and his most recent mission is helping e commerce tech and digital business owners improve their financial fluency and operate their accounting back office as a profit center. We will talk more about it a bit later about this. First of Vinny, welcome. Thank you so much for being on.
1: Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. I loved our little pre talk that some of us uh, <laughs> was just between the three of us, but I can tell we're going to be fast friends and look forward to being on your show and uh, seeing what we can do to maybe help our, each of our communities uh, with some new information or maybe some information they may know just packaged in some better language. And so thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you yeah, more than welcome. Thank you so much for being on. A little bit more about you. Could you tell a little bit more about who you are, where you live, and uh, how, keep, how do you keep yourself busy during these weird times? Well,
1: I think that some of that answer is going to come in <laughs> who I am, right? So I'm, uh, <laughs> yep. I'm first and foremost a husband. I have been married for 25 years to my uh, lovely bride, Debbie. we um, I, I make a bad joke. I had sex with her at least four times because we have four children that we've uh, <laughs> been able to birth. And so we have four teenagers uh, living in our home. And so I'm the wow. most busy being a husband and dad to that world. I, I, I am so thankful that I get to be as engaged as I'm capable of being in that environment. So when you say what keeps me busy, you know, I run, when you look at our enterprises and our people, we we, we have almost 50 million of operating enterprise value going on among our three businesses. But my full-time gig, is being a husband and dad oh, yeah. to that crew. My side hustle is being the chairman and CEO of our organizations. And so it's actually reversed <laughs> right now, but I'm actually quite thankful about that. So I'm busy being that guy, and I'm also quite thankful to take those same things and, and lead our teams, uh, and, and my primary role is to lead the leaders of our companies uh, in what we do.
0: I, I like it that you say the team that you call your family, and, and uh, I mean it must be a real side or job in itself, uh, keeping uh, what was it, a, a four, digits, four teenagers in check. Oh, so buddy. basically, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, it's nice to hear. it's fun that you that you mentioned to them as uh, as team, um, but it is it's you know it's part of uh, a big part part of uh, daily. Uh, things obviously yeah we call um, them the
1: fisher six-pack right and so you, mess, <laughs> you either mess with or take out a piece of the six-pack and all of a sudden we're not a six-pack and so you know I, I came from pretty broken circumstances Um uh, yeah and my dad did, did the best they could with with what they were capable of doing but we came from some pretty broken circumstances and so deb and i just set out to try to change the uh, generational behavior and cycle break things that would have happened in our past and so you know i know we're making it up every day so everyone just needs to know that but we're doing our best
0: i liked. i like to hear that you sound really uh, you know obviously in that aspect really ambitious and really powerful on that uh, i can only imagine that you know the vibe that you bring to work you also bring to home and that influences every single one in the family so where are you based actually so we're in a little state called Ohio. And when
1: you take okay. that state in the United States and you boil it down, most people, especially if we're from where y'all are from, will know us as Cleveland, Ohio. And so we live in an area of Cleveland, Ohio. I'll tell you a really funny story. So I was in um, <laughs> the northern part of uh, Darren's Island up in Scotland in a little kind of small uh, comedy club. And the comedian, which, by the way, it was such... Distinct English that I could not understand the accent. So the joke for us became after a while, maybe we can understand something. But we had a blast, spent two year old We're sitting there. Well, this one comedian says he's his whole shtick was about how Cleveland, Ohio people act. Well, out of nowhere, we just start hooting and hollering. We kind of ruined <laughs> the shit, but it was great. And so like, we're from oh. Cleveland.
0: No, no, nice to hear that. So, um, first off, a, a little bit more, uh, um, you know, obviously about about your company. So, and, and maybe I called it financial Fluence. Fluency. Yeah, that's actually a language. So what is that?
1: Yeah, so two things. Our company provides fractional CFO and controller services where we do it on a fractional outsource basis for e-commerce, tech and digital companies we live in one category so my entire team only has to speak one language by the way side note disclaimer that's the number one secret to our massive growth is standing for a particular industry and trying to be all things to everybody i tell this to people i they ask what's our number one secret of our massive growth i tell them that and they're all like oh like they want it to be something else
0: (laughs) some special trick the but true it's not
1: it is lie in understanding and defining and living in your niche, not trying to be all things to everybody. but it's true. let's go back to that question you asked about like us, what we do. That's who we are, fully accountable. We live in that space. we We provide that service to seven figure companies in that category. We know what we stand for. Because of that, our marketing's better, our sales are clearer our value proposition is generally defined and continually improved, that makes the rest of it work better. You spoke about this thing that I speak about all the time, financial fluency. That's me speaking to us. Why that's important is I am actually not qualified to be a CFO, a controller, one of our data analysts. Gosh darn it! I can't even be one of our bookkeepers. Like I'm <laughs> in the only position that I would hire me for in our company. I created this to solve a problem that I had yeah. in my own businesses. Yeah, because that's
0: financial interesting. Financial fluency. Yeah, because that's that's what what you know uh, uh, that I I understood was like you you experienced this 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 company comes from something that you experienced yourself. So um, how, how, how did that happen? Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? So how did this become what it is now and the, the fast that it grows?
1: Yeah. And so, by the way, we love the digital community. So my team, uh, we'll, we will make it live here that we created a gift page for you guys at fullyaccountable.com forward slash brain bites But there you can get free things from us. And one of those free things you can get from us is one of, both of my books will be there, but one of our books, CEO's (laughs) Mindset. All right. And and please take advantage of it. And I double dog dare everyone to read the first chapter because it's the name of the book and it's the most important part. And I made it the most important part because studies show that people barely get through the first chapter of a book. If you could do that, I think I can help you with some of this question. And so let's let's dive deeper into that. And I think knowing my story matters as to why that part matters. Well, I was running a large health supplement company that I built. We were Mm -hmm. doing almost plus minus uh, annualized revenue of about $40 million. And um, we were profiting about 8%. Well, I thought that was great, meaning we were acquiring the customers after that thin margin. We didn't have much left, but we were growing. Well, one day I kind of woke up and it, it, it hit me, and I know this might sound basic to everyone, but it, this is honestly what happened. I woke up one day and I'm like, wait a minute, it's not about the money we bring in in revenue, it's about what's left in our bank account or my pocket that matters. And all of a sudden I'm like, "Obviously." Okay. What's a business like mine supposed to do in profit? Well, I found out quite quickly that an industry standard of the type of business that I was running should be about 20 to 22% in profit, not eight, and almost overnight, pretty quickly. Massive difference. My head changed, and I'm like, wait a minute. We're losing 12 to 15% of our profit with this massive leaky bucket. And all of a sudden, I started getting a better relationship to the bottom line, not just the top line. Now listen, everybody, I am a top line freak. I serve a God of gross revenue. Everything's about gross revenue. I look at those numbers all the time. But I have to have some kind of relationship to the bottom too, or I'm just going to give it all back. And so the other book that goes along with that gift is my journey. Look at
2: that.
1: <laughs> You're preparing wrote, everything. Boom. <laughs> I wrote, these. both of these books are like, My honest journey of the things that I would do better if I did those things again, and I just was very vulnerable about, it's the bottom line. And as a leader of your business, needing a relationship to the bottom is critical in order to lead others to actually be in charge of doing those things. Well, that's what the journey was in that health company that ultimately got really profitable. We sold it. And on the other side of that, I'm like, I think we might have something here. And we started doing the work quietly. I bought a $1.99 domain name for fully accountable and started Mm -hmm. doing the work. And then about six months later, some of my friends were like, you might want to open that up to the world. And in February of 15, we opened up Mm -hmm. to the world. And here we are six years later looking like an overnight success.
0: Yeah, but it works. It all comes down to you know, seeing, experiencing, and then at the moment when you experience that, you find out then it hits you like, well, actually, it's this easy. So to, to, to dive a little bit more into, into yeah. those two books, obviously. So what, what, what was the correlation that you saw? What was the massive standout that you found out like, okay, well, that was the biggest issue, one of the biggest issues? So that,
1: I'll tell you the biggest issue as I see it. Um, first off, it's an interesting to know a fact. Seven percent is the conclusion. The statement is how many businesses statistically have a million dollars of annualized revenue. 6.94 percent of businesses. So we get this thing in our head, this seven figure thing. Well, mm-hmm. you're privileged to get there. You're already more ahead than 93 percent of companies trying to get there. Now, why is that interesting? Because the habits that I developed getting us into seven figures, I've learned need to be different than the habits that take me from seven into eight figures. In this business process, this improvement to a business, the hustle that I could do by myself with a couple people to get us into seven figures, is not at all what a, the things that I had to do to take a seven-figure maturing company and grow it in eight figures. And I had to learn to battle the habit that got us there and the habit that was going to take us into other places.
0: Yeah, right. So it's kind of like seeing the next step. So you can aim for the roof, but you might as well aim for the moon and the habits that you create when you aim to the moon. Or far beyond that, basically. So, is that what you're trying to say? That that was kind of like one of the things that stood out. Instead of focusing, well, I mean, if you want to focus on a certain amount of money, seven figures. No, let's focus on eight figures. And no, you no, know, or what, is it funny. in process breakdown? So you know, one two.
1: I think as entrepreneurs, we're guilty of like saying things like, I'm going to 50 X my business and I'm going to go from five to $50 million in a year. Like, like we talk like these big grand things. Well, what's funny. And I've had the privilege now to have four, eight figure companies. So I've had mm-hmm. lots of teammates. I've exited and successfully sold one. I've tragically broken another one and wrote a book about it. I, um, I It's a journey. And one of the things that's interesting is this, category of early stage, you can speak about large growth, large scale, because your first move is to have a converting offer that people will buy. So you try very aggressive things to get there. Well, the reality is, once you have an established offer that's working, you're probably in that category where you're either advancing to, or you meet the seven-figure marketplace, where you're established. Well, at that point, all of my shoot from the dark, like wild, crazy things need to switch to people and process. And if I don't have good people growing outside of my shadow and building process and structure to that and improving as a leader of others, then I still have this kind of Early stage mindset of the business, and ultimately, I'm just uh, going to keep breaking that thing. That's what I'm talking about.
0: So, is it more in terms of like, okay, well, if I understand correctly, is it more in terms of automation, in terms of getting stuff automated? The, obviously, finding the right people, getting the process and structure in place, and having that automated, because that's the biggest down. Oh, sorry, that's the biggest downfall that you see in early stage businesses. that that there's more to get there or did I understand that wrong? No,
1: hey, by Marcel, I love the idea of, of process improvement, some automation. There's areas where automation comes too early before you prove that that's what you should automate. But I want to be real clear to everyone watching and listening. I'm a people over process person. I believe if you have good people and you give and help develop and let them develop good process, you will make something great. I don't think the reverse is true. I don't think you can have good process and then add people. Now, I know process freaks are out of their mind right now, going, what? I'm a people over process person. It's part of my personality. I've also realized that a growing organization to grow beyond my shadow needs um, people developing at the leadership level who are growing it even beyond some of my capabilities of growing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, okay, I I didn't mean entirely automation, but getting, um, learning people, giving people the handles, because people are the foundation, are the company, giving them the handles to get the process more clear, more structured, everything more more solid. That's the...
1: By the way, you know, when when you think about like our marketplace, the digital community, and you hear people use words like systems and process. We are all day long, like your agency and our, we we make money efficiently off helping people be better at doing things efficiently. Like, I don't think you're wrong at the core of what you're saying. As a matter of fact, I 100% agree with it. But what I'm worried about is people are in business, skip the step of growing the organization and go for this automation play. Like somehow that's the secret part of actually growing the business. So back to that book that I, I'm giving away because I'm making a lot of money just giving them to people. But I want you to read it. I break a company down into six departments. A a, 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 a Any type of boat or ship that has holes in it that isn't being built properly or maintained is gonna sink well that's what like growing a business is like if you ignore areas or departments that need to grow and it's missing people well the boat's gonna sink and and in there is process and some automation people improvement I just learned that I can't grow something beyond me once I get into seven figure depth because it takes more than me to do it
2: true it's, I know it's a and just to go on that, people buy from people. So people, that's that's the, the core thing everybody says to me. It's like, well, I've, but, you know, like you said, we're all agencies and how many other agencies are out there? So what's the difference between what we all do? Because it's, it's, there is really no difference. It's just about how we talk about it and how we get on, with how we have a relationship with the person that we're talking to. Um, that, like you say, is what really matters. So for Vinnie, so... What would you say then is that when you're trying to grow your business and then you're trying to bring really good people into your business, when do you think is a really good opportunity or when do you think is a great time to start letting go of the reins of the business and let somebody else start to manage areas
1: yeah, so I actually go into this idea of roles and development and adding people quite extensively in my book, and and I want to not make you read it by the answer here. And I, I, here's what I do: i I believe, I believe I'm capable of serving in multiple roles in my company. I really do. All kidding aside, I'm I'm a very quick start risk taker. Create the vision for this thing. I, I'm capable of serving in multiple roles. At some point for an organization to have growth and beyond you just being a solopreneur, there's things that you're gonna be unable to do for your business. And so the first things that I learned to do is to replace the highest important functions that grow our business, revenue enhancing positions, that Mm -hmm. I'm unable to do both. At some point, something's gotta give. And so I then go find someone bright and competent to fill in uh, affiliate sales. And if we were going to have a product, and I would always be a, re- when you're a revenue growth company, and if I'm the chief revenue officer, I'm always filling revenue positions. It's just the nature of where I would be. If I'm no, an engineer and right. a little more process driven, I'm probably filling in my back office stuff first. But I look at the, for me, I look at the tension points that are holding back growth and revenue. And I fill those positions. And I have to accept that the profit margin of that company is gonna go down. A company is never gonna be more profitable than when it's just you selling your thing. When you start adding people, you add complexities and you you gotta take some risk. But I look at it as roles. I don't just hire good people. There's gotta be a clear role that I can take a good person and stick them in that the company needs that it's the highest and best use at that moment. So I break it down to a triangle. I think about managers, I think about technicians, and I think about visionary strategy people. I am quite confident that I can serve well in strategy and vision. I'm also quite confident that I'm awful at management, that I don't want that. I'll do it, but I don't want to do it past a certain point. I get it to a point where I I believe we're done and I don't want to touch it again. And I can do technical pieces if I absolutely have to, but I would, and I'm technical in certain areas, but where we need the expert technicians, we bring them on. So I think of those three pieces and that's what would lead me to always making sure I have those three buckets filled. And as you expand, you just expand which bucket needs more attention. Do you need another technician? Do you need another manager? Or do you need someone in executive visionary leadership? Rarely does that third bucket get filled more, more managers and technicians tend to be filled along the way, uh, in at least my organizations, but that's how I look at it, Darren.
0: I think that obviously it makes sense to, uh, by the way, first of all, for everyone listening, if you have any questions for Vinny or either of us, definitely put them down in the chat and we can read them and we can answer those. Just wanted to give a little shout out to that. But basically yeah. it's interesting to say, Vinny, that you mentioned these three this triangle of people that are needed. And that makes sense, right? I mean, it doesn't make sense to have more managers than technicians or visionaries. It all needs to be perfectly balanced out in the end. And um I mean it's funny to, to talk about this right now because I'm in the process of expanding actually with my company. And it comes down to the same thing. And sometimes there are you know, certain roles to be filled that doesn't necessarily bring in any money. So it's kind of like everybody, you know, you need to hire the persons. You shouldn't hire too fast. You should hire the people that you actually need to cover certain processes. And sometimes you need to let go of the handles. Like you know, Darren talked about sometimes you need to let go and just trust the people on the other side. You know, otherwise there's no growth. And that margin that you know that um The profit margin, that's something that grows when you hire someone that doesn't necessarily make money directly back, then it goes down, but that's the whole balancing it out and finding it out. And that's risk. Risk is just involved. Risk is just a big part of it. You know, I I mean, I'm just in this, you are a very experienced guy and I'm just in the process of starting out with all of this, you know, but would you say that, you know, it will always be. Uh, it always will feel risky, and you will always be a little bit insecure. Or is that something that you think that you develop over time that totally faded away? You're not insecure anymore. It's kind of like boom, 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 all automatic. Or I
1: am. I can promise you that I'm the most risk tolerant person you know, and ironically, right. I'm a trained lawyer, which doesn't correlate to someone willing to take risk. I just am a highly risk-tolerant person. I'll jump off a cliff. Halfway down, I might consider whether or not I packed a parachute. Now, (laughs) getting all that aside, leading from the front, being in charge, having to have the burden of making decision, it it doesn't get less lonely. I just have had enough at-bats where some wisdom kicks in. So what used to look like overreaction to things, because I lacked some like understanding where we were going, was Mm -hmm. my response to two things I think leaders are always going to have to deal with. It's anxiety and boredom. And when there's a lot of anxiety, I might overcorrect because I'm not sure where we're going. Just like boredom, if the business is running well, and I don't feel like I'm a... I'm bored, that doesn't mean I suddenly go create another company and overcorrect my behavior. Those are very dangerous feelings that I have not seen leave at any level of my success. So what I would say, it's the same. It's my ability to address both of those conditions that has improved or some days improves, but other days (laughs) maybe not. But leading from the front, buddy, uh, I think by definition uh, has – it's a it's a room for one
2: yeah i think sorry go go on Marcel. no i just
0: wanted to end that off like okay you know it's just at the point you need, i like that you said anxiety and boredom at the end, you just need to uh, be rational. It's just in the end, it's being rational. That's one thing that I learned last uh, last few months. I go, you need, you know, it's not just you and your feelings. There is, this, is, this is a living thing. This company is becoming a living thing, and you need to make choices based on rational choices. What is the best? And if you might feel insecure, or you might, you shouldn't let that influence any decisions, actually. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to
1: influence them. It's going to. The reality is our emotions are far greater of an influencer than our logic are to ourselves. I realized that when I look, and I've written about it in my books, but if I'm honest with myself, my reaction to anxiety is far stronger with emotion than it ever has been with logic. I think what helps in organizational growth is to be surrounded with people who help push into that. I don't want a bunch of yes people around me and my executive teams, we should look like we're arguing. We should struggle. We should do something greater than debate to get to a good result where I have security and comfort and, and stand on my identity and give people the strength to do the same that we're actually fighting for something bigger than ourselves. And so like, it you do make tough decisions. It's lots of times you're guessing with the best information you have in front of you. As a matter of fact, I adhere to a rule called the seventy percent rule. Well, if I've got seventy percent of the information, I make a decision. Time to go. We gotta go. And I'm gonna have to live with the fact, even though my Debbie, my wife, hates this joke, I get the burden of being right more often, and I'm gonna have to live with the burden when I'm not.
2: It's true. I was going to say to you, I mean, you, you touched on the question I was going to ask. Um, you know, we're fortunate on this conversation that we're operating in a digital space, but, you know, there's a lot of businesses across the globe who aren't uh, really struggling, particularly those yeah. who are in the event space, retail, um, and many others. Hospitality. So, hospitality, absolutely huge. And they they are having to make some real really challenging and very difficult decisions even the even the big guys now like disney and stuff are are going through things they've never had to go through before so you know what you know listen to some of your advice and you know the the books that you've written do you think you 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 would adapt any of that now if you had to reprint it like today how would you change it or would you change it so to make it more relevant to some of the decisions these these companies and these people are having to make You know, that's
1: a, like, how do I put the gold star smiley face on a great question? Uh. (laughs) The other day I was talking to Deb about what would I 2.0 CEO's mindset? What would I add now knowing what I know? And it would be a, um, a little bit more compassion and empathy around the leadership part of like learning how to like find forgiveness to myself when I lead us in the wrong direction, not stay frozen and... You know, we, we hear words in the you know marketplace like pivot and change. Well, a leader's job is to, if we're going to lead in journey and we lead down the wrong trail, trail, well, how do I develop and have the humility to recognize that to my team, but then also lead with excellence through that in a place where we're supposed to be? I think all businesses are going through that. When I look now at like the marketplace, you know, Digital, and direct to consumer. Can you imagine, like, the president of the United States or or Boris or I don't know who the leader of the Netherlands is getting on? Uh, sorry about that. Getting on uh, oh. uh, uh, on television and saying the virus is in your computer. Don't log on. I would be having a way different relationship to business right now. I'd be hospitality. I'd be Cineworld closing all the theaters just to deal with stuff and like. Like, people didn't do anything wrong. We drew a line in the sand. Depending on where you are in the line in the sand, you are either having to completely reinvent the way you do things or you're taking massive ground because you're on the right side of that line. Well, our businesses just happen to be on the right side of that line. So I'm not sure we should be credited with doing a lot right. We're still on the right side of that line, taking massive ground. People who are on the other side of that line, well, I think it's time to consider changing how you do what you do in order to adapt and i would have loved to have talked a little bit more about adapting than um enduring i talked a lot about enduring and i still love enduring i think people Mm -hmm. can endure through this but i think there's a part of adapting that a changing to the uh the community cultural demands that are in front of us as well
0: and I think also, I, I had this talk yesterday with someone and we kind of like came down to, it makes pretty much sense, you know, just business advice talk up. It's kind of like, well, did you already gave it some thought? I, lately, I've been fully in, working inside of company, inside of a company. And then I get the question, what happens, you know, if, if what you're doing right now just... You know, I might as well have been exactly what you said that the computer had the virus we couldn't access online anymore, something like that. Are you prepared? Did you have, do you have a backup plan? You know, you don't have to overreact it, but having a backup plan is definitely something of great value. What if that you're doing right now, does not work anymore? What are you going to do next? Giving that some thought, having a backup plan isn't such a bad idea at all and just keep on having that idea ready or just, I don't know, I think. So I'm I'm an an ideation guy, Marcel.
1: Like I I, I have to live, I had a couple while we're talking. I have to like live in this book and write down my ideas. (laughs) I'm actually, funny, when I look back at my career, I guess the old guy here talking, when I look back at my career, I've actually Mm -hmm. never really personally resonated with backup plan, I'm all in plan. And what I've actually learned is what can I do to diversify some of my risk in my all in, because I actually, I'm always worried. Like I think of like in the pastoral world, when a young person wants to be a pastor, the dad's like, what's your backup plan? Well, we never say to lawyers or engineers, what's your backup plan? Like you're going to go be a lawyer. If the market conditions are such. Like let's be honest, go back to November of 19 and let's speak to all of our friends. They would have bet on local retail before us in digital. They would have said, we're gonna have a global blackout of the internet. Aren't you afraid of closing? You can't do business because of a global blackout. That would have what most common parlance would have said. Like we weren't expecting to shut down local. It's never nope. something we've ever done. So why would we have a cadence for it? So why would we ask a movie theater owner to have a backup plan? to uh, yeah. It was at its number one peak in November of 19. Cineworld was crushing it in like sales. And all of a sudden, gone. What I say is, what did I do along the way to take some risk off the table and diversify as I've accumulated? That's a kind yeah. of, I'm either in the, I need to build up accumulation or I'm preserving a little of my accumulation. And I'd be guilty of being all in, pot, committed, and I was not pull some out. That's probably something to speak to. It's Aaron. true. i like to have spoken about de-risk a little bit along the way so that a global pandemic doesn't completely take somebody out. But reality is most businesses are two or three weeks of expenses away from closing anyway. It's just the reality of the numbers. And so oh, yeah. what were they going to do to backup plan? Backup plan, the backup plan? They don't even have a backup plan. So how do they yeah, have, they have do. a backup plan? <laughs> they have the plan they have, not, not let alone like having that. a backup
0: plan. Do, do
2: you, I like that. Do you, what, do you, do you think we're in a, a blockbuster Netflix moment for, like, retail? So, like, this is now going to be – this is just the end And there's going to be a brand new chapter going to start. And we just don't quite know this yet.
1: Funny thing is like, we're probably more in a um, Netflix movie theater moment because Blockbuster knew they just thought and bet wrong that digital wasn't going to win. Yeah. They had a long, slow fade to their death. Right now we're like, wait a minute, at home, Netflix, live streaming, in person, What's the, what's going to come out of this season of our life? What behavior has changed? And if you listen to most pundits, we were heading here, 2030, we were going to be in some version of this. We've accelerated the first four or five years of this behavior. Now society doesn't normally move that fast. So we've disrupted it. So what sectors need to change? And I think we're in that version of it. Like, now we're like, oh, crap, this has been put on us. Now what are we going to do? And that's just not normally a society. We move a lot slower it's than what, true. what society it's- did to us. And so it's weird. We're living in 2023, 2024 behavioral things that should have been going on. It just got fast forwarded three and four years on us. So that causes a lot of breakage. And now we're going to have to work through the next couple of years of that breakage probably figuring out the hybrid of streaming versus live and what new version that looks like.
2: Great answer. Thank you.
0: I like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely 100% true that we fast forward by a couple of years. That's one thing that for sure. Yeah. And it's true. Just looking at people's behavior, you know, it's a big strength if you can really catch people's behavior and where it's going. And now we, you know, all of a sudden we fast forward it is looking at what's happening now and then looking at what's going to happen. You know what, you know, you can only make assumptions and obviously, you know, you cannot bet on all of the things so that I 100% agree with that. You know, you do need to focus and you cannot be worried about, you know, I have to maintain this, but also this, then you get diverted. And that's the big downfall of people running in businesses as well. Just wanting to do everything at the same time. So talking about hybrid, obviously, yeah. Uh, what do you feel about the current situation? People at home? Well, for us, this you
1: know, are- is a perfect example. Like yeah. We built a hybrid model right from the beginning. And we have people who work in our corporate office. There's 20-ish or so, almost 30. And then two-thirds of our organization work from home, and we call them homies. We've been doing that since the beginning, and it's kind of a cultural thing for us. So when we had to go home and close the office for a period of time, we uh, okay. we didn't really miss a beat, but what's interesting is studying some behavioral stuff. That's my job: look a little bit ahead, understand what's going on. What? Here's some f- interesting things. Our number one objection. At, let's just pick on Fully Accountable of the three companies that are under my portfolio. At Fully Accountable, our number one objection to outsource fractional was wanting that person in the office. Yeah. Well, is gone because we removed, yeah, the of office. So now it's who's the best expert able to do the job right for the right amount of money with the proper resources.
0: Oh, yeah, and, and, and that it's remote things doesn't things. really matter anymore. And it doesn't matter where they habits, fit. habits, all habits you know, it feels good, but it doesn't really matter actually. I mean, what is that's going to be different? Yeah, you're talking face to face face-to-face. Obviously, it's a little bit different, but in yeah. the end, you know, it's getting the message across. It's just a personal preference. But is it also, does it really matter for the good of the company? I don't know. It's, you know, and then that, it's a gray area. I don't want to say that it doesn't matter, but, you know.
1: Well, business we continued. So it's not necessarily about the emotional fact of whether it matters or not. You know, if we try to try to do our best to not live in all of our emotion and just look at it, business continued on. It just used other mediums to do it. Now, listen, would I love it if we're sitting in Darren's cool little office there doing this where the three of us have mics in front of us and we're feeding off each other's energy? Really hard to feed off energy off video, right? And so When I speak to a large crowd, that energy that they have, I usually grab some of it. If they don't have any, I create some and rise them up to it super hard to do in video, right? Like there are going to be some societal consequences to a digital version of our relationship, which is why there's gonna be back some pushback in human behavior to have some version of both. It's not gonna be forever this way. We're already six months in watching people rage against this like crazy, our own people, wanted to be together, the young ones, because of networking, missing out on relationship. Now, some of them needed to get away from their kids, but I'm saying that with honesty, like they needed a separation from their personal and their business life. We're missing interaction with people, but business still continues, regardless of that Mm. part of the equation. So we're gonna figure out a combination as a society of both.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's more in terms of like, you know that 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 feeling part that emotional part. That's a that's a good portion of you know the daily life as well and how you perform and stuff like that. But you know it's just two different sides. If so, Debbie, my wife
1: was completely robotic
0: and be like, you know, do do do, I don't know how
1: joyful our marriage would be. I need a little no. bit of like playoff that, and that's part of the emotional side of it.
0: Yeah, having uh, it's yeah, it's true. It's the it's the connection that you feel, and that's something you just cannot get over phone. It's that personal connection. That's the same thing. with Work. That's something you just cannot grasp uh, over. A mean, video. video
1: helps a little, right? We're able to like grasp yeah. each other.
0: If, if you were
1: with me, I can look at Darren's face. You're like he's crazy, or I can you can like <laughs> say, like that you know one of the things we do with oh. our company because we have yeah. people all over. I actually, we have a stand-up every Monday at 4 o'clock. And I, unless there's some reason you can't, I require everyone to turn their video on. So we can see each other.
2: Yeah. I I think it's a really big, do you know, there's a really interesting point um, that I've started to notice that people started to switch their cams off. I don't I think just like why you're still like, you should be still part of that conversation. You switched on, you've turned up. You should be there. You wouldn't be in a real life meeting just like head down, like you're looking at your mobile and doing some other work. That's so- what I
0: think. That's the idea that I get when I'm in a meeting with someone. That person doesn't turn his f- video on. I'm like,
2: well, yeah, Is I don't he get even it.
0: listening. Is he doing something else? Is he might as well doing something, you know.
1: Yeah, and how dare us indict ourselves of the exact same behavior when we don't turn our video? And we're probably doing the same thing. We're multitasking, kind of listening,
0: and so that's, that's that's true. All right, so I mean, we can continue talking on and on and on. And I think you know we are yeah. already quite similar time in. Um, I would like love to. If Darren, if you have any questions or maybe Vinny has any
2: questions, we might as well just continue this conversation another time. Yeah, I think we need to get Vinny back next year. I think uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. but There's so much to talk about. And uh, uh, I think there would be enough to talk about uh, definitely next year from what we've learned. And from some of the conversation we're having outside of the podcast, uh, sort of pre um pre-broadcast as well so uh, yeah. we, need to, we need to bring you back as indeed we keep saying with all the guests <laughs> yeah. and get into it. And Ash, What about
1: about the guests we haven't said that too yeah you know, i wonder about yeah. that guy right yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> I right, well talking to so <laughs> <laughs> all right well um
0: let's 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 leave it for here for now and then continue later on well I, I want to thank you everybody for tuning in and listening and I want to thank you Vinny for being part of the conversation and and being so energetic and, and telling your story and, and all the useful insights. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am I'm wrote some stuff down that I'm going I'm like, well, that's something to keep in mind, right? Um, could you tell people where they can find you online? Uh, a little bit more on your website, your socials.
1: Yeah, so you can find... We will everybody. put
0: those in the description as well.
1: Yep, our primary company, Fully Accountable, at fullyaccountable.com, we're very accessible. We only... Work with e-commerce, digital, and tech companies that do a million dollars or plus in annualized revenue. That's who we work with. But we actually
2: mm-hmm. care I'm, about a the, copy, mini. I'm going. Okay, <laughs> we, we care
1: about the business community, so we also created mm-hmm. care at fullyaccountable. to help people get a question or comment or want something. Reach out. We also do things like create fullyaccountable. forward slash brain bites. Where not only you can learn some stuff, see how we're building business, go get the stuff we're giving away for free. We're very active in our community wanting to help. We're on mission to help 10,000 companies double their profit margin. So we're very accessible. Vinny at in every scenario, Vinny Fisher uh, on social media stuff. Our media team is very active across those areas. And so I just encourage you to reach out, grab the part you need or want and uh we're here to help and we love uh people across the pond you know we do business uh globally as well and you know i always joke that i probably connect more with people on the island than i do back here on the <laughs> mainland and so you know hey you used to be in charge before you lost we used to be the same team and so, <laughs> oh my you know, god like, it's all good good all, <laughs> all right so
0: yeah, <laughs> for er- uh, everybody listening, we will put all the description, all the URLs in, in, uh, in the description. Um, if you want to subscribe to our channel, definitely do so. Uh, we are do not only video broadcast, but we're also active on the audio platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and any other big podcast platform, basically. Don't forget to tell uh, your friends. Vinny, thank you so much again. Darren, thank you so much again. And we, uh, we'll talk next time.
2: Thanks very so much. Cheers.
0: Take care. Bye.